Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Preservative, that we are an influence upon a fallen world in that culture, in that society, that influences good things, that helps, that blesses, that encourages, and we bring light where there is darkness, and we preserve that which would decay. That's one of the uh, the one of the virtues that you will, if you will, about salt is that salt preserves. Right, so you can take some salt and rub it on some meat uh, that's raw and it's ripe and just right for bacteria to grow on that meat and for that bacteria to consume it and to destroy it and make it no longer healthy, no longer safe to eat, no longer consumable, that it would decay and rot and spoil, and you put salt on it and it dries out the moisture that is there and it creates an environment on that piece of meat that it is incapable of bacteria surviving on. It removes the moisture and the bacteria needs that moisture to survive, and so the meat that would decay and be ruined and be lost sooner rather than later can endure longer than it normally would. It will still expire eventually, but because of the presence of that salt, it will last longer than if it were left to its own devices, to its own condition without the presence of that salt. And that's what Jesus says that you are in this world. That the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. He wants to spread lies. He wants to spread division. He wants to spread anger. He wants to spread hurt and betrayal and to create uh, death in the world. And that by the presence of our love and the truth that we proclaim and our influence on society, that the Lord would hold back the tide of sin that destroys, sin that decays, sin that breaks down a society. If you know anything about history at all, and I don't know as much as I would like, but I know enough to know this, that the more and more ungodly a culture becomes, the more and more its demise gets closer and closer, right? That's just the nature of it, that the more immoral a society becomes, no matter how wealthy or powerful it appears to be, the closer and closer that it gets to destruction, And Jesus has given us the opportunity to be an influence of righteousness and godliness in the earth. And I would encourage you tonight to think about your role, because doesn't your life at times 
feel dreary and you wonder what's the point. Sometimes righteousness will cost you so much to be right, to be godly, to be a part of God's kingdom and that God's plan can seem to cost so much. And you go, what's the reward of this? What's, what's, the, what's the benefit? What, what is the purpose of paying this high price when sometimes I don't see the fruit evidently and immediately laid out before me? And I will tell you tonight that in part, it is because our life and our godliness has a reach that is beyond what we can comprehend or measure or imagine. And that you must trust the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the Word to know that God combines what to you seems like small obedience, small actions, maybe unseen things with that of those who are godly around you to create an influence, a pull, a force of righteousness in the earth that alone by itself may not seem to do much to create light in a dark world, but you combined it with all of the other lights that are near you and present with you, and it is turned into a mighty blazing light for the glory of God, a mighty influence of preservation in the earth. And that's what I want to speak to you tonight about. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 11 says this, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Listen to that again. By the blessing, through the blessing, the the instrument that is at work here is blessing. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. As we've talked about the influence of righteousness and godliness and the truth of God in the earth, the focus on these words tonight is upon our speech. It is the way that we talk to one another. The Word of the Lord says that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any nation. But tonight we're talking about a specific righteousness and a specific sin that is either a blessing and either exalts a nation or is a reproach to a nation. And it is the righteousness or the wickedness of the way that we speak to one another. And I want to talk to you tonight about society supported or scorched. Society supported or scorched by our speech. It is the way that you speak to people, to your spouse, to your children, to your co-workers, to the lady at the cash register, to the person at the gas pump, to that person that hurt you or offended you. Does the way that you speak to them contribute to the societal growth and health and blessing of a society, or does it help tear it down? Who are these upright people? Who are these wicked people, these faceless, nameless, numberless people? We're not given an address. We don't know their name. We don't know where they work. They're just People in general, people spread out, people in the city, people in their homes, people in the workplace, people in the school, people just walking down the street, these people with their small sphere of influence that combined with everyone else creates a society. And these people either support, buttress, help, construct, strengthen, or scorch destroy, tear down, dismantle 
a society. And I want to just ask you tonight, which role are you playing in it? Let's pray tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word to us. I thank you for the instruction of your righteousness. I thank you for the opportunity to participate in a culture, in a society that is so influenced by the world, by the devil, by sin, and that we get the opportunity to choose not to be discouraged and not to withdraw and not to give up and not to believe that we can't have an influence, but that you allow us to engage and to move forward and to step in to the division and into the fight and have a godly influence on an ungodly society. And we ask that you would multiply our courage and that you would multiply our effectiveness and that you would give us boldness and conviction and wisdom to walk in your truth and to be the blessing that you've called us to be. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. He says, for the blessing, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is overthrown. This proverb has a very simple yet an incredible wisdom. It points out that the conversations people have with one another in society are incredibly important to the well-being and lifespan of that society. As a matter of fact, this statement reveals that a society literally rises or falls based upon the way that people speak to one another. Not just legislation, not just what are the technical laws, not just whether or not righteousness or is done or not done, but in the very way that we speak to one another, in the way that we talk to one another, and the consequences of the way that we talk to one another. What does that make you feel like when you turn on the news? What does that make you feel like when you consider the national conversations that are taking place? How does that make you feel when you consider the issues that we're engaged in as believers to be involved with in the political scene and the moral scene and the religious scene and the way that we talk to one another? If the society that we're in will literally rise or will literally fall based on the way that we talk to one another, do you feel like you're secure or do you think you need a parachute to prepare for that hard fall? If we keep speaking to one another the way that we are, I don't think there's a lot of hope. But with God, there's always hope. And so we have a chance to speak differently to one another, don't we? Amen? It is not difficult to understand why the society either rises or falls based on the way that we speak to one another. Because the way that we speak to one another either unites us or divides us. It makes us care for one another or disregard one another and thus creates a healthy and strong community or a weak and fragile community. And certainly, it is either a society which God wishes to preserve a source of, as a source of good and blessing to the world, or one that he wishes to snuff out before it can cause any more chaos than it has already inflicted upon people. So for two reasons, society will, will either rise or fall based on the way that we speak to one another because it will either create a bond and a unity and a strength among us that will give us durability and strength and the ability to move forward, or it will weaken us and divide us so that anything that is placed upon us as a burden or difficulty will make us crumble. I don't know how many of you have ever had 
old, worn out, maybe secondhand furniture, but you ever had a table or a chair that just had seen better days and it started falling apart and uh, you sit on that chair and you knew that the bolts were getting worn out. You knew that the, the wood had been stripped and it, what the screws weren't holding on the way that it was and it didn't take very much to be placed upon that chair or on that table for it to just fall apart. And the way that we speak to one another is either binding us together or just tearing us apart so that when something is placed on us as a burden, we'll either crumble under the weight or we'll be able to hold it. But not only because it creates the moral strength or weakness of a society, because, but it also determines whether or not God wishes for us to continue or would allow us to be snuffed out. Sodom and Gomorrah. We see also with Jerusalem, we see with so many other cultures, we see with Babylon, we see with Persia, we see with all of the different empires of the world, we see with Nineveh, all these times where God says your wickedness has gone on long enough, you've perpetrated enough evil upon the world, you've been a bad influence, you have hurt, maimed, wounded, and your influence has just gone on too long, and I can't allow you to continue, I'm going to snuff you out. And so we're either creating a healthy or weak society, and we're either creating a society that God wants to put his hand on to bless or put his hand on to crumble. What are we doing? We're told here that the quality and content of these conversations are determined by the kinds of people who are having them, because different kinds of people speak in very different kinds of ways. We are only told of two kinds of categories for the people who are speaking, the upright and the wicked. Not the white and the black, not the Republican and the Democrat, not the old and the young, not the millennials or the Generation Zs or the Generation Ys or any of those things, not the, the Asian or the Hispanic or the Anglo or the African or any of these other categories, not any of those superficial titles, but what is your moral character? What's your moral character? Because that determines the way that you speak. The way that you speak. These are moral categories. The people in each of these categories have speech that is in keeping with their character. The upright person speaks blessing. Notice what he says. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But the wicked person's speech isn't described with a specific classification like the upright person's is. And we could say it's implied that they also speak according to their moral character. And if the upright person blesses, the wicked person curses. I think that's a fair assumption. If the upright person blesses, the wicked person curses. But I think that it's also healthy to understand that he says, notice the blessing of the upright, but then he says, by the mouth of the wicked. It's, it's the instrument of the person who's wicked that sort of implying it's not just one brand of evil speaking. It's all manner of evil speaking. They don't just curse, they lie, they manipulate, they, they hurt with their language, they do all kinds of wicked things. Specifically pointing out the blessing of the righteous person. The righteous person blesses, they encourage, they speak truth, they minister to the heart. But the wicked person just speaks in all kinds of wicked ways. It's not limited to just one. It implies that one is healthy and the other is cancerous. One is rude, the other is respectful. One encourages, the other demoralizes. One is careful, the other is reckless. One unites and the other divides. One is consistent, the other is contradictory. 
One builds up while the other tears down. These are contrary to each other because they are both competing for the same thing, commonality. They're competing for the same thing, commonality. And what do we mean by commonality? It is to be the normal way that people speak. People all like to speak in the same language in the same way. If you listen to podcasts, you listen to news channels, you listen to to religious people, or if you listen to political people, they all use the same language. They have to talk on the same terms. And if you disagree with terms, if you disagree on what words mean, if you disagree on what words are good and what words are bad and what's moral and what's immoral, then there's conflict and there's argument and there's disagreement. And we don't like dissenting voices. We don't like to say one thing and then somebody say something contradictory. And so we're, we're competing for commonality. Which viewpoint, which source, what kind of words, what moral character to these words is going to be the societally accepted way of talking. And so abortion is abortion. It's not the murder of a baby. It's abortion. It's health care. It's a woman's right to choose. It's a woman's body that no man has the right to tell her what to do with it. Right? It's not murdering a baby. It's not saying a child is inconvenient and I want the sex without the ability, without the responsibility of carrying out the, the care that, for the thing that happens because of that act. And so you change the words. You change the words. A few years ago, we had to have a board meeting with the church to agree on certain language to put in our bylaws because it was not enough to say that we believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. We had to say, we were advised by lawyers, that you have to say one naturally born man and one naturally born woman because society is changing where it doesn't matter what a person was born with naturally. It doesn't matter if they have an XX or an XY chromosome. They identify as a woman. They identify as a man. Therefore, your stated beliefs and bylaws say that you have to be willing to marry a man and a woman, and we categorize this person as a woman. Therefore, if you don't perform the wedding, you are discriminating. We have to agree on the language. It's competing for commonality. What is the right way to speak? It's competing. There is an ever-fluctuating scale of influence with each of these forces vying for the majority. The voice of reason and justice is crying out in competition against the voice of insanity and moral, moral expediency. Moral expediency. In other words, a morality that's convenient in the moment. It's a morality that can fluctuate and change. These two voices are competing against each other. He says in verse, at the beginning of verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. How does the upright bless? They bless with speech that is honorable and godly. The righteous are compelled by their conscience to tell the truth no matter the consequence. They do not return evil for evil or slander for slander. They bless when they are cursed. They speak words that heal even to those that have wounded them. Their words are conveyed with humility and their voice is filled with tenderness. They insist on encouraging others even in the most discouraging of times. 
Their words reveal their faith in the living God because they trust that he is working all things for their good and his glory. And such speech encourages. It encourages. People may not always tell you that it encourages they may not, might not always stop you when they're complaining and whining and you try to encourage them with truth. They might not always come out and tell you, you know, I really appreciate that you're willing to believe God and trust God when my heart is discouraged, but it does. It blesses. It blesses. Maybe not in the moment. Maybe it's annoying in the moment. Right? Maybe it's frustrating. I know that that's true, but I want to pout and I want to whine and I want to be discouraged. And my heart's tired of believing and tired of trusting. And I don't want you to provoke me to love and good works anymore. I'm just worn out. But it's a seed planted in their heart that when that word comes up later, it blesses. The righteous bless. Their speech is marked by integrity, honesty. Love. They speak with respect for all people, especially those in authority. Remember when that was part of our culture? How many of you ever got annoyed with a teacher or somebody that you worked for and just by the norm of culture you went home and complained to a parent or somebody that was older and wiser than you and they said maybe what they did wasn't right, maybe it was wrong, blah, blah, blah. But you respect your teacher. You respect your boss. You respect the person you work for. It doesn't matter if the teacher is always getting on you because you turn the page too loud. Maybe that is a little annoying, son, but you speak with respect to the person in authority. The speech of the righteous is marked with self-sacrifice. It is marked with scriptural influence. One of the things that's encouraging to me is when you talk to believers, their words are just always flavored and seasoned with Scripture. Amen? They just speak with truth. It's just, it's a part of who they are, right? They, they not only abide in the Word, but Jesus says, let my words abide in you. And so Scripture influences the way that they talk. And when you put scripture in your heart, Jesus says, out of the heart, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you ingest scripture and you put scripture in and it comes in you, even when you want to be discouraged and be frustrated, you just can't help but speak with scripture and speak with truth. A righteous speech is filled with reconciliation. It unites, it binds, it heals, it forgives, it moves on. What an incredible thing we need in our society. We might not be able to agree on everything. How many of you know very godly, wonderful people that you love and respect, and yet you have very strong disagreements with them, right? Very strong disagreements. We might not be able to agree on everything, but my Lord, can we at least speak to one another in a way that brings us together? that allows us to keep having the conversation, to keep talking to one another and loving one another, rather than just saying, I'm done with you, I'm tired of you, I'm annoyed with you, let's separate and go our different ways. This happens in churches, it happens in politics, it happens in family. Do you think that that's creating a society that's bound together or that's easily separated when a little bit of weight is put upon it? It will tear down a society. He says, but the mouth of the wicked is overthrown, but by the mouth of the wicked the city is overthrown. 
How does the wicked curse? How do they dismantle? How do they degrade the fabric of a society? What is it about the mouth of the wicked that can do so much damage? The wicked must speak in half-truths and white lies whenever it is in their best interest to do so. And because they do that, they lessen the amount of trust in a society. The fact that we have to sign legal contracts over everything now tells you we just we don't have trust in a society anymore. We don't trust each other. We don't trust each other. We have to, you have to sign a legal agreement about everything because no one trusts anyone anymore. We don't trust each other because we have a society that's filled with so much dishonesty. The wicked must threaten those who disagree with them since they cannot depend on reason and moral grounds alone. The wicked must manipulate to get their way because their goal is not cooperation and united effort. It is only the way to get it is only to get their way with no regard for who it hurts in the process. I speak with manipulation. I hope that while I'm talking to you that your main thought is not what you've heard in the news lately. I hope that you're not thinking majorly and thinking, you know, that sounds like CNN or that sounds like Fox News or that sounds like this politician or that politician. Can we start in our own houses? Can we start in the way that we speak to one another? Amen? Right? Because all of that stuff out there can't be made right till we fix us. Notice that it zeroes in on the city. Does this, does this also apply to states and nations and, and global impact? Absolutely. But it starts on the smaller scale. It starts in the home. It starts in the family. It starts with the children. It starts with the school. It starts with the workplace. But those who are wicked must manipulate. Because they're wicked, their motives are wicked. They don't have a desire to work with one another and cooperate and trust and concede and be willing to give a little bit of themselves and and ask to cooperate and find a way to compromise with each other and work together. I just have to get my way, and so I have to be able to find a way to emotionally manipulate. The speech of the wicked is marked by deceit, manipulation, belittlement, slander, hate, vulgarity, vulgarity. Our society is becoming so vulgar, it's unreal, isn't it? Everything is filled with wickedness. Everything is filled with with cursing. Everything is filled with filthy language. Do you ever notice that there's no list of cuss words in the Bible? You ever notice that? We come up, there's like these eight or nine words that are generally all accepted as, you can't say those because those are not Christian words, those are bad words, and you go look through the Bible and those words aren't there. You go, where did we come up with this? And and is there the the, uh, grammatical equivalent in other languages or our list of seven or eight words found in another language? The point is not that words are inherently evil. The point is that we use certain words in certain ways to describe certain feelings, and there's a vulgarity in the heart that must be expressed through certain words. And so the scripture just talks about, uh, uh, what is it, filthy words, right? Or is it filthy jesting, I think? Inappropriate jesting, just vulgar and crude, ways that are inappropriate Vulgar words, because there's an expression of the heart. 
I won't give you an example because I don't think it would do me very good to do so in the pulpit, uh, but I've, I've heard people use everyday words that are not bad words, not inherently implying anything evil, but the way they used it, you knew what they meant, right? They might as well have said another word because, and maybe it was a Christian, right? Have you ever heard any of the Christian swear words? Right, right. You use, you use clean words, but the way you use it expresses some anger or resentment or belittlement, or you know that there's a vulgarity on the inside, right? And that's cheating. That's cheating, right? Technically, you didn't say anything immoral, but God doesn't care about the technical word. Some of the words that we call evil words or curse words are actually holy words, right? Holy words used in the Bible. Some of the words you're not allowed to say to express certain evil intentions are used in the Bible to express holy intentions, right? Hell and damn are not wicked words created by the devil. They're holy words that God will enforce upon a wicked world, right? But it's the way that we use those words. Vulgarity. When we speak with vulgarity, when we curse, it's because there's a curse in our heart. Amen? If you're driving through traffic and you have road rage and you get angry at people and the way that you respond is to yell at them, peanut butter, you know, and you just, that's your Christianized swear, you know, swear, you know, where banana pudding, you know, screwdriver, whatever it is, you yell things. There's something on the inside of you that is vulgar that's being expressed. It's the same thing. Isn't it the same thing? And the reason you feel that you have to say it is because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And there's an abundance of anger and rage in you or vulgarity in you that you've got to let out. I think I actually just said I wasn't going to give you an example of using clean words in a negative way, right? And then I just did it. I didn't even realize. Praise God. Maybe out of the abundance of my heart, some hypocrisy came. I don't know. <laughs> he was more honest than the rest of you. He knew. He knew. And so when we speak with those words, it's because that's on the inside. Vulgarity. They speak with pride, arrogance. They speak with divisiveness and irreverence towards all that they dislike or disagree with. Notice, uh, what is it, in Second Peter where it says, uh, of wicked people, false prophets, ungodly people, that they even speak wicked things against angels and powers and principalities. And I think the point is that, was it Michael the archangel that didn't even speak a criticizing word against the devil, but he said, the Lord rebuke you? Because even this holy, heavenly, perfect angel that never sinned felt that he didn't have the right to pronounce this judgment and this critical word against the devil, that it must be the Lord who does it because he's only a creature and the judge sits on the throne that he simply works in front of. I just work in front of the throne of this judge. I work in front of the, the holy seat of this judge seated on this, uh, this, this judge's bench. And it's him that has to judge, not me. And yet, we will speak with such irreverence. We're so cocky, so arrogant to speak with critical language towards people. This tells you that the heart of that person is wicked. Wicked. What's the application of all this? The application is this, is it matters how you speak to and about people. 
It matters. It matters. It doesn't matter if you have a megaphone or a microphone or if you're a politician or not. It doesn't say that, that, that by the blessing of the upright politician or by the, the mouth of the wicked king or the wicked uh, person with a microphone that the cities tore down. It's just by people in general. People in general, your voice matters. You are a thread in the fabric of society, and you are either building up your spouse, children, friends, home, coworkers, and fellow citizens, or you are tearing them down. You will either be a part of the reason that our city and state and country are either pulled up or pulled apart. And we have the responsibility to speak with love, tenderness, and wisdom. Don't say what feels good. Say what will reconcile and heal. Don't spout resentment and hatred. Speak with mercy and life. Encourage the discouraged. Speak with gratitude and joy instead of complaining and pouting. Because if we speak in this way, we just may buy our society a little more time. The way that you speak matters. The Proverbs tell us that life and death are in the tongue. That you can either speak words that are encouraging, that build up, that heal, that minister, that reconcile, or you can speak words that discourage and weary and break and hurt and wound. Proverbs says, there is a man whose words pierce like swords thrusts. And every time they speak, they cut people. They wound people. They hurt people. How many of you would see a sword coming your way and go, oh, that's not good? But it says that the mouth of the righteous and the words of the righteous and the wise are like apples of gold on a tray of silver. Now imagine you got somebody with a sword and they're coming your way and then you got somebody with apples of gold on a tray of silver and both of them are coming to you. Which one do you think will heal and bring life and which one will bring death? And that's what you're doing. Every day that you go to work, in your purse, in your bag, in your diaper bag, in your wallet, whatever it is that you're bringing with you every day. When you go to work, you go to school, you talk to people, when you come home and talk to your wife, your husband, your friend, the person at the cash register, you're either bringing with you apples of gold on a tray of silver or you're bringing a sword. And you're either giving people words that are life and sustenance, can bless, can encourage, can minister them, reveal Jesus, reveal the gospel, minister to their spirit, bring them to repentance, or words that can discourage, hurt, wound, maim. Your words matter. And we are either going to scorch or we are going to support our society. And we have a responsibility to make sure that we do one instead of the other in the name of the Lord. And I pray that the Lord would teach us to be upright people who bless and not curse. Amen? I think we need it desperately. We need it so desperately. Our country needs it. Our society needs it. Our state needs it. We must learn. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you love us. And I thank you that you give us the opportunity to understand your word, to walk in its truth. And I ask you, Lord, that you would bring understanding and wisdom and revelation to us. Lord, that you would allow the voice of the Holy Ghost to rise up in our hearts with conviction. Lord, for the voice of the Holy Ghost to rise up in our hearts. Lord, to reveal to us the way that we ought to speak and the way that we ought to minister one to another. And that you would help us to be a part of the building up and the preservation of our society and our country 
in our state, in our world. And that, Lord, you would help us to be instruments that would compete against the voices that would curse, the voices that would wound, and the voices that would overthrow our society. We thank you for this honor. We bless you, Lord. We love you. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name.